0: Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So one of the things I was sharing last a couple weeks ago about the New King James Version. Um, and so anybody here who doesn't have a Bible... I, I was trying to get these Bibles for the car show, but they actually just came in. And so if anybody doesn't have a Bible, they come and don't have one. And last week because there was a couple people who didn't have a Bible. If you need a Bible, let us know. These will be available every time we have a study. And so they'll be available uh, at the Hot Rod Bible Study. And so make sure everybody has a Bible. So we're going to be in uh, Hebrews chapter 9 tonight. Um, As we've been studying through the word and so I'm going to read we're going to go through verses uh, 1 through 15 tonight And so we're trying to get the the study here And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read chapter um, 1 through 9 or 1 through 15 and chapter 9 And um, and then after that I'll go back and we'll see what the Lord has for us But before we get started tonight, um, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together So Father God, we thank you Lord um, for your goodness Lord. We thank you for your love Um, We ask Lord that you would continue Um, to move on our hearts tonight, Lord, as we open up your word. Um, We've come here tonight, Lord, as many of the men have shared with us tonight, Lord, we have come here tonight to hear from you, um, each and every one of us, Father. And so, Lord, um, we ask that you would open up our hearts. Um, May you give us the word, Father, that we we may go and take it out and share it um, with this world who so desperately needs it, Father. Um, We thank you, Lord, for drawing us here to this place, here at the amphitheater. Um, Lord, we thank you um, for always providing um, for everything that we have in each and every one of our lives, Father. And we pray all of these things tonight, Father. And we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So here we go. Um, we're going to read uh, chapter uh, nine or verse Hebrews nine, chapter nine, verse one through fifteen. So here we go. Then indeed, uh, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and of the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, uh, the first part, in which was uh, the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, and which were the golden pot that had the manna. Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant and above it were the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat of these things we cannot now speak in detail now when these things had been thus prepared the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services but into the second part the high priest went alone once a year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made um, manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and freshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with a a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation, nor with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and of the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean um, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, whom through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot of God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. And so we're going to stop there tonight. And so as we've been studying through the book of Hebrews, um, we've been seeing um, some of the things that we've been seeing in chapter 8. You know, I always like to go back and see some of the things that are in chapter 8. And i know many times that people kind of said well i was here last week and why do i have to go through the whole review of what's going on so i try to hit on the high points i'm trying to figure out a way to narrow it but as i try to prepare for the study um, it's always amazing but as i go through the study and i start looking at the things and i try to pick out the high points um, there's actually things that i see um, in uh, the study of last week that I didn't see last week and this is so amazing because God's word is alive and, and we've uh, we've studied that it. it is alive, It is sharper than any two-edged sword and this is so the amazing thing about God's word that it is um, Never it is like a, an onion. I love the way that pastor Ed it describes it. It's like an onion once you pull off a layer There is another layer underneath that maybe you hadn't seen at that time And God is always, and I believe the way that God, the way he's written it, is the Holy Spirit moving in his word. That he, at our times in our lives, that we go through things that the Lord, the word of God, speaks to us. There's many times that uh, messages are given in the church, um, and oftentimes even online when you're studying or if you're reading God's word. um, There's many times that it ministers to your heart in a certain way. But at other times, the same verse can minister to you in another way. And it's just another proof that God's word is a mighty uh, word. And it's always a sharper than a two-edged word. It it is alive. So in chapter 8, one of the things that, you know, they started off with, it was the main point um, that Jesus was the high priest. And we came through the whole thing of Melchizedek. And I'm not going to go really long into that. Just that we know that Jesus had the higher, um, that he was the higher standard of the high priest. And so we understood that through the line of Melchizedek. He did not come through the Levitical line. He did not come through um, the line of Aaron. And so we see that God orchestrated all of that before. Um, and, and we see that, uh, we learned that last week. And one of the things that really stood out, but we see that Jesus was seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is powerful. Um, and we remember that when Stephen was being stoned, we remember that Stephen, right before he said the sky opened up, And remember Stephen was being stoned and there were, throwing stones at him he said that he saw jesus standing at the right hand of the father and i love this because many commentators believe that when we are coming as believers followers of christ that jesus will stand to welcome us in to the presence of god and and i thought it was powerful that some of the commentators thought that about stephen as we we were studying there in the book of acts And we see the the story of uh, Stephen, I just thought it was so powerful. But we see that um, he was seated at the right hand of the Father and also that he was the minister of the true tabernacle. Not a tabernacle made with hands, but it was a tabernacle made in the heavens. And we're going to see a little bit of that tonight. But one of the things that we see as this tabernacle, we saw that it was a pattern. We saw that last week that a pattern was given. Um, to make the tabernacle and so we see as the tabernacle was made and later on the temple would be made but they would use the pattern that the Lord had given Moses to to actually make um, the actual tabernacle that we would see and the temple that they're going to make Um, and if you don't know this um, a couple of years ago in 2018 I went to Israel And, and many of you have been to Israel also but we see that the articles for the third temple are already being made um, and so they believe that, um, that they, when they, the third temple is made, that the articles for it, the article, the table of the showbread, um, there was a huge uh, uh, menorah that was out. And it was funny that there was armed guards that were protecting this menorah because it is 24 karat solid gold. Uh, it is encased in this. And they have all these articles that are gonna be for the, the uh, for the new temple, uh, the third temple that they believe when Jesus returns will be in. And so we will see that. But one of the things that I thought was, uh, That we saw that Jesus, once again, he said that he did not come through the Levitical line, that he came through the line of Melchizedek, orchestrated through God. And so this was a a better covenant. And then he, in the second part of chapter 8, he talked about a better covenant. Not only was he the high priest, but he talked about the better covenant. And he starts to speak about the old covenant. And he said that the reason why that this covenant was so much better than the previous covenant, because it was based on better promises. And we're going to start to see the promises of God. And, and some of the things that we covered last week that he talked about, that remember that the law, when it was poured out, that it was poured out on stones. It was written out on stones, right? On Mount Sinai, it was written on stones. But he says this new covenant that I'm going to write my law on your hearts. I'm going to write my law on your hearts. And he said that you will be my people and I shall be your God. And so we see that this new covenant, he starts to release some of the things and we get that through Jeremiah 31 as we were studying. um, There was four or five verses in Jeremiah 31 that he was talking about this new covenant that he is actually going to be, this new covenant is going to be so much better than the old covenant because it is not going to be based on the law, trying to follow the law. And some some of you came up last week and were telling me a little bit about this, about the law. And, and we talked about this briefly that the law was always intended to be one of those things to show us uh, where we've missed, uh, we misstepped with God. It was just to draw our attention to, you know what? God said that this is the way that we are supposed to conduct ourselves as people, as followers of Christ. And when we step out of that, we are to recognize that. And when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we re- we recognize that and we say, okay, Lord, we know that we have missed But it was never to say to try to follow the law to try to say, this is the way to God. It's if you follow all these rules and regulations that you can come to God. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, if you were here um, on Sunday, that Pastor Greg was talking a little bit about, uh, we were in Luke chapter six, and I love the story that he talked about the man with the withered hand. And they remember that, that Jesus said that it was, was it lawful to heal on the Sabbath. Remember that he, this withered man that he healed him. And the thing that I love about the story that we see that the religious zealots, that they had come into the synagogue. And what I love about the story is that when Jesus came in, he said that he brought this withered man that had this withered hand. And remember, they were considered ceremony unclean, so they were not allowed to enter. But I love this, that these people were so religious and so righteous and so wanting to follow the law, that they failed to see a man who was in need. But I love the fact that Jesus Christ came and this was the thing that he could see because he had that love of Christ for others. And, and this is the thing that was poured out here yesterday. As I can see that through many of you, the love of Christ was, was poured out on people who we don't know. But we want to share the gospel of Christ for Jesus Christ. And, and so many of you um, do everything for the Lord. And so this uh, one of the things that I think that was powerful there. Um, so we're going to just go ahead and pick it up here um, in verse nine or chapter 9, verse 1 and we'll see what the Lord has for us then. It says, then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances and divine services of the earthly sanctuary. And so they're very briefly speaking here of just this earthly sanctuary that they have. Um, we have to remember that this letter is written um, to um, people who have, uh, we remember the Hebrews that they were converted from Judaism, they were converted into Christianity and they have come to walk in this relationship and they were being persecuted They're being persecuted and we have to understand that, um, you know, the people that are being in under persecution that, you know, imagine that you live in a place where the Jews are the ones that are actually the ones that are probably own all the businesses. And so when you it's a little bit different here in America, when we tell people that we are Christians, um, they they say, hey, if you're a hard worker, you know, in us as Christians, we should be the hardest workers. But many of us, it doesn't really affect our jobs. But in in this time, the Hebrews that when they told people they were Christians, That the persecution they were receiving they were no longer getting any work and so then it actually affected their whole family and so this is a tremendous amount of persecution was going on and this is the reason why the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrews to telling him the the benefits of Jesus Christ of them staying walking with Christ And the benefits are not just for here, earthly benefits, they are eternal benefits that they are, if they continue to go back. And I think that's powerful for us today. So here in verse two, it says that the tabernacle was prepared, uh, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. One of the things I'm just gonna try to draw a mental, I was gonna try to draw out a picture, but I'm not a very good artist. Uh, But one of the things I'll tell you that this tabernacle that they're talking about here, it, is, uh, it would actually fit here very well. It's uh, 45 feet. If you can imagine 45 feet, it's a rectangle. 45 feet by 15 feet wide. It's 45 feet long, 15 feet wide, 15 feet high. And this is the tabernacle that they built. And remember, they built it with tents. And so this is the tabernacle that it's in. And so this is the very first part of it was called the holy place. And this is the, the first part of the, the tabernacle, this 30 by 15, this place that the, the priest would come in and they would actually do work in there. And we saw the lampstand, it would be a seven lamp menorah that was in there that they're talking about the lampstand here. And the table of showbread, this is the the 12 loaves um, of bread that were in there that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Also too, it's it's amazing how uh, the word of God is in so many different places. But as Pastor Greg was speaking about that, this is the place where David, and remember that he had came in and remember that he had actually ate when he was on the run. And his men they didn't have anything to eat and they actually came and pastor greg spoke about that that he actually came there and they said that the people thought that it's not about the rules and regulations that that he wanted the lord said it's not about the food it's not about following the rules if those men did not have any food and so he said even though they had no food to give him, the only thing they had was a showbread which they considered that it was sacred The the priest allowed David and his men to eat that. And so it was God's way of showing them that it's not about the rules and regulation. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a relationship with him. And so we see that. And so this is just trying to explain a little bit about the tabernacle. And so here in verse 3, and it says, And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. And so this place was a, a smaller place. This was a 15 by 15. And this was considered, we call it today um, in the temple, they call it the holies of holies. And this is the place that we've been talking about. I think I've shared this many times with you guys, that this is the place of the day of atonement that the priests would come in and they would offer sacrifices, not only for the people, but remember, as these high priests are men, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves. And this is one of the things that makes Jesus so much more superior that he never sinned. And so Jesus Christ never had to ask atonement for any of his sins he never had a sin and so this is just describing here and so we remember that the writer of Hebrews he is writing to people and remember that Hebrews if they were brought up in Judaism and and also they had to recite remember the first five books of Moses right considered the the Torah or the Pentateuch they had to recite it and one of the things that's so interesting about that to me is, as I was studying for this today I was thinking about it as I was driving around in my work van that one of the things I think it's so interesting that many of them could quote things in the five and the five, first five books of Moses they could recite it you know they could recite it by memory but there's so we see here in the Word of God that many people can tell you verses they can tell you oh yeah John 316 you know uh, uh, John 14:6 they can tell you many many verses but the thing that what really jumped out at it to me today is we see that these people knew it by their memory but they didn't know Jesus Christ in their heart in their heart and this is one of the things that we need to understand that there are so many people that can recite scripture and remember things and we always and I don't know as you as a believer me as a believer we're always envious of people that can remember Bible verses and and my wife is one of the people that she always says oh I have such a hard time I try to remember Bible verses but I have a hard time but it doesn't mean that you don't have you what's most important that you have that relationship with Christ relationship don't know it's more than just memory it's more than just it's not just this is not just a book this is the living Word of God and so here um, in verse are we in verse 4 which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on the sides with gold in which were the golden pot that had the manna Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets um, of the covenant and so is describing here this golden censer that they're talking about here it is the altar of incense and this more than this uh, more than likely the priest the high priest would bring it into the holy of holies but normally it was on in the outside in the holy place if this is where it was at and they believe that this incense would go up to god and they would hear their prayers through this incense and so the the high priest would take it in on that one day and so they're just describing here this holy place but what i love about it they talk about here that this um, that we saw the Ark of the Covenant, um, and if many of you are not familiar with, if you're not familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, it is a box, remember, it is a, made of acacia wood, right, and is overlaid with gold, right, and, and one of the things that's so important about it, that it, this is where God has the mercy seat, and uh, the two cherubims, and they're going to talk a little bit about this cherubims, but one of the things that's most important, that it has these golden rings on each side of the box, that they were to put a pole through and this is how they were to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And we remember that because in 1st Samuel, we remember that, that uh, uh, Uzzah, he was one, a man that they brought this cart. Um, the enemy, the Philistines had gotten the Ark of the Covenant and they had put it on a cart. And, and the Word of God never said that the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be carried on a cart and they took it. And as this cart was going around and they were making a procession, a man that he saw the Ark of the Covenant tilting and wanting to fall and he reached out to hold it and he was struck dead. And it was interesting because this Uzzah, he was struck dead and a lot of people said, hey, well, this Uzzah was trying to do something to help the Lord. And this just really speaks to me that Mike, Never tried to help the Lord. There is nothing that I can do to help the Lord. The Lord is is almighty and he and so as he reached out But one of the things that I think is interesting about that story Is that the, if you don't know the story, but the the Philistine, they actually had the ark of the covenant in their possession And they actually opened up the ark of the covenant and they did all these things and nothing happened to them They, they weren't struck dead and they didn't die but the thing that I think that we we serve such a loving God because they were not aware of who God was and what the Ark of the Covenant was, and so He pardoned them, did not allow them to, those iniquities to be to have them. But the thing about this Uzzah that He knew who God was and He knew the way of God, and so I think it's 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 interesting to see that He did not charge those people the the Philistines with anything as they went through that. But we see this Uzzah because He was responsible. And I think that he should, he would have known that not to touch the, the Ark of the Covenant. But one of the things that um, I, I think it's so interesting about the Ark of the Covenant is the things that are in the Ark of the Covenant. And we see the, uh, the, gold, the golden pot of manna. This was a pot of manna that was in there. And they, this was to remind them of God's provision for them as they were 40 years walking in the wilderness. And so this pot of manna was inside this Ark of the Covenant and we saw the rod that budded. I know many of you have heard this for many years, um, but this rod that was Aaron's rod that was put in the Ark of the Covenant. Um, many people don't know the story that the reason why Aaron's rod is in there is because when, you know, Aaron was Moses's brother. And so as he was his brother, he uh, said that as he was his brother and he said, well, we're going to Moses is going to or uh, Aaron is going to be the, the next the first priest their ever-first priest. And so many of the other people who were involved in the church or involved at that time in the tabernacle, they started to grumble amongst themselves. And they said, hey, this is kind of like nepotism here. This is, uh, we see that uh, we see that Moses is electing his brother to be the, the priest. And why didn't he elect any of us? We are, we've been here just as long as anybody else. And they started to murmur amongst themselves. Well, the Lord had told Moses, tell the man to take their walking sticks and put it in the tabernacle and write their names on it. And if they put it in the tabernacle, the next day as they woke up, the only one that had was Aaron's rod, it actually budded and it actually had grown. And they say that actually almonds that you could eat, it actually budded off Aaron's rod. And it was a picture of God saying, I chose Aaron. It wasn't Moses that chose Aaron, I chose Aaron. And so we see that that, that, that was one of the things that I think that was so important that we see there. And then we see, the, of course, um, really quick, we see that the um, the Ten Commandments or the, the tablets were in the Ark of the Covenant. Really quick, I, I don't want to, um, you know, belabor this, but one of the things that I think that's important as we see that the, the tablets and the Ark of the Covenant, these things are in there, when we get in uh, the the book of 1 Kings, um, we see that the only articles that are in the Ark of the Covenant, I'll give you the short version, uh, the only thing that's in the Ark of the Covenant at this time, um, if when we get to 1 Kings chapter 6, um, we'll see that the only thing that's in there, is the only the ten commandments that the Aaron's rod that budded and the golden pot of manna is no longer in the ark of the covenant and this one of these things really spoke to me because all those things were things of the world they were things of the world and we see that through that the only thing that is lasting that is eternal is the word of God and we see that this was the only thing that was left in the ark of the covenant so here in verse 5 and it says and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat um, of these things we cannot now speak in detail and so we uh, we see that um the things that were there that the uh the cherubims we talked about those those are like the angelic beings um they were above the mercy seat and it's just so amazing to see that we serve a we serve a god who has a mercy seat his delight is to sh- shed mercy upon us and i just love that about god and so here in verse 6 it says now when these things had been uh, prepared the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle perform performing the services. And so the priest went all the time into the very first part, right? The 30 by 15 foot, they went all the time. And remember that menorah was in there and so they always had to make sure that that menorah would always burn 24 hours, 7 days a week. It was always burning. So they had to make sure it had oil. <laughs> they had to make sure that the, the wicks were trimmed all the time. They had to make sure on the Sabbath, that they remember they changed out the bread, right? The 12 loaves of bread. They at that time they would actually eat the 12 that were left over and then they would put new bread in there they were representing uh, the 12 tribes of Israel and so this was the jobs that they were doing in here and so in verse 7 it says but into the second part of the high priest uh, went alone once a year not without blood which was offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance and so we see this here as as we were speaking about um, in chapter 8 we were seeing that that Jesus Christ, as he came, he he did not sin or had never sinned. And so we see that these priests, they had to come even to the Holy of Holies. And even though they went into the Holy of Holies, they had to bring blood for themselves, right? They had to bring blood for themselves to offer a sacrifice for themselves, for their own sins. And we see that, that they had to offer that sacrifice for their own sins. And so this is what it's pertaining to here. And I love this at the end of the verse here, it says that who committed in ignorance... And so these were sins that were committed and they felt at this particular time, they felt that the, their daily um, that they would actually go in before them and they would ask for forgiveness of sins that they that would cover them. But they were asking here for forgiveness of sins that they committed in ignorance, ignorance, things that they had maybe done, possibly done and were not aware of. And, and this is really stood out because they are one of the things that uh, Jesus Christ is very superior in that in the new covenant that God forgives all of our sins. And one of the things that we saw from last chapter 8, that he remembers them, no more. And and this is one of the things that we're going to get into the the conscience, the cleansing of the conscience here. And so here in verse 8 it said, The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was yet made manifested while the first tabernacle was still standing. And so we see that this is a very powerful verse here, verse 8. And it's saying that the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all, was not yet manifested while the first tabernacle was still standing so he is saying that the way to god at this time in the tabernacle because it was still standing it was closed it was not open and the way to god was through these animal sacrifices and that was the way to god but see this is the reason why it's pointing this out because we are living in the new covenant and the new covenant is that we have an open door policy remember that when John in the book of John that they, when Jesus went up on the cross and he said it is finished right it is finished that we see to that the the that the the veil was torn from top to bottom and it was for us as a new covenant we can come to God and this is the thing that's so amazing that we don't have to go into and offer sacrifices to be able to come to God it was God's way of saying to mankind that my door is now open you may come openly. But one of the things that's so important, we know that without the, without the, uh, without the the, uh, the, the, I'm losing my train of thought here. Without the, uh, the blood, the blood sacrifice, so without there being a, a blood sacrifice, there can no, be no forgiveness of sins. And so we know this. And so this is the reason why at this particular time, when they were offering sacrifices for animals, that the people were truly not completely cleansed. Because once a year they would have to come back again the next year and have to be cleansed again. But when Jesus Christ cleanses us, it was done once and it was done once and for all. And through his blood that now the veil was torn because now we are clean. As we receive Christ, we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. And now we are allowed into the throne room of God. And he has told us that he wants us to come boldly, boldly into his throne room that we may obtain find grace and and obtain mercy in our time of need. And I know many of us, we love this. Go ahead, Jerry. No, it's powerful, Jerry, that you that you say that because we remember the book of Job, and and uh, as he was offering these sacrifices for his sons, um, and he did he was unaware that they had committed anything, but he just wanted he wanted just in case, yes. And this is a, a love of a father for his children, and this is another thing that God prepared a way or made a way for each when there was no way, He made a way for each and every one. God's love for each and every one of us, and so we see that there, and so I think it's powerful. But yeah, that's good, Jerry. That's very good. Um, here in verse nine it says, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the services perfect in regard to the conscience. And so one of the things that's really here, this some um, symbolic um, in, the, in, the, in the Greek in the original Greek is the word parabole, where we get the word uh, where we get the word parable. Um, and this is one of the things that this covenant, this old covenant, was a picture pointing to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was coming. And this was a pointing forward. But one of the things that the Old Testament is that it points out here that it could not do, it could not clean, or it could not cleanse our conscience. That those sins, as they went um, and they offered sacrifices, remember that as they did this through Leviticus um, uh, chapter 16, as they offered those sacrifices, that they were not um, actually cleansed completely because it was the blood of the sacrificial uh, no, uh, no blemish um, go, uh, uh, Lamb of God that went and, and, and sacrificed his life upon our behalf that we are cleansed and their conscience are cleansed. And it's going to refer to that here. So in verse 10 it says, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and freshly ordinanced imposed until the time of reformation. And so we see that they were concerned more about the food the outwardly appearance of things that were going on Um, and i think this is important because many of us we grew up in a generation i grew up in a generation where uh, many churches many hippies were coming to christ and and many churches if you don't know this many churches were saying to people that were coming in the in the uh, late 60s early 70s they were coming to christ they were coming to church that many times that people would say you can come to church but you can't come dressed that way And they were looking at them and they were looking at people and they were saying you can't come to church dressed like that. But this is so different than the new covenant because the new covenant is an inward working of Christ in our lives. Eventually as we come to Christ and we walk in the ways of Christ, the people on the outside will be able to see Christ shining through us. But when we come to Christ that we cannot pick people who come into a place and they dress in a three-piece suit. And we can't say that those people know God more than other people by the way they dress. And one of the things here, we're in the middle of Southern California to remember that Pastor Chuck Smith was one of the ones, it was actually his wife that had a love for the hippies and she had the vision to see. And I love the story that, you know, and Pastor Greg tells it here many times and I won't belabor that, but he tells the story. I love the story that when the people were coming, the hippies were coming in, that they would, so many of them would come in barefoot and they would come in and one of the elders of the church told them, we don't want them in here because they were destroying the carpet. And I love what Pastor Chuck Smith said. He said, then rip the carpet out. What is more important, the bringing people into the kingdom of God or the carpet, what's more important? And we see many things in our lives. I think that many times as the, the blessing that God has given us as we have homes, cars, things that we have, that oftentimes we think, man, should we really reach out to these people or reach out to these other people that maybe we don't wanna see, be surrounded by these people, but we have to remember That the love of Christ, that he has gifted us those things. Everything we have, we owe it to the Lord. And so if we can use those things to draw others to Christ, this is one of the things. And this is why it's so powerful as we just had the car show here. I know many of you, we use those cars to draw people to Christ. And I love that because we have a, a not only a car show but every week they have a, they meet at donuts every week and these people come here and they gather and people walk by especially man they drive by and they see cars and they say hey that's cool I'm going to go there and without knowing they come in there and they get to hear of the love of Christ and many of them come in walking from the world. I love this and this is so I think it's so important that many of us in our lives that we should never lose touch with the world because those are the people that we're trying to reach. Remember Jesus Christ when he walked on this earth, that he wasn't in the, I mean he was in the the temples, but he wasn't in there trying to draw people to him. He was out. He was out, right? He was out in the Mentones and the Redlands of California searching for people who didn't know him, right? People who didn't know him. And so I think many of us should do those things to draw others to Christ. But here in verse 11, it said, But Christ came as the high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. This is not uh, of this creation. And so we see that this high priest, Jesus Christ, came, but his uh, tabernacle was not made with hands. It was made in the heavens. And this is the reason why it is so much so more superior. So in verse 12, it says, Not with blood of goats, of calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place, once for all having obtained eternal redemption and we see that jesus christ entered and died on the cross once for the sins of the world many times people say the sins of the world and many times people say well yeah there's so many people who have not come to christ yet but yes jesus christ had died for them because i was one of them i was at one time one of them that while i was still a sinner living my life in the world christ went and died on a cross for me and for you and for each and every one of us. And so many people think that that they think that that Jesus Christ or people that come to know Christ, that they come in a certain, uh, we put people in boxes. I always talk about this, put people in boxes. And we think on the outside looking in. But one of my prayers have been lately has been, Lord, help me to see people the way you see them, the way you see them. And this is why, um, and I think that many of us, I think this is the reason why God has put cars in our lives. I've told you this story many times, that oftentimes I think God looks down from heaven and He sees us. And and we're all battered and bruised and we're all walking around all messed up. But He sees us like we see those cars that were out on the lawn yesterday. He sees them shiny, chrome. He sees us that if we will give our lives to Christ where we could be walking in the ways of Christ. And this is where Christ sees us and this is the reason why He sent His Son to die each and every one of us i think it's powerful that we see that so we see here in verse 13 it says for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkled the unclean sacrifices um, for for the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve The living God and so we see that God Jesus Christ is the only one that can cleanse our conscience and and as as we I was thinking about this um, and we were reading about chapter 8 I was overlooking chapter 8 one of the things that we talked about the clearing of conscience is one of the things that he refers to that he will remember our sins no more This is one of the things that always my conscience, because I have you here, if you've gathered here tonight or if you're online, one of the things that the enemies, one of his tools that he always uses is he always wants to put in your mind something that happened years ago or something that happened before you were a believer. And he always brings those things up and he always says to those people, those men at the Bible study that you gathered, they didn't know that about you? Do they know that these things about you? But remember that those memories do not come from our Lord, they come from the enemy. They come from the enemy, that he is the one that constantly wants to condemn us, right? We, we walk in the righteous. We have no righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ who he has poured upon us, who he has clothed us in his righteousness. And so when God looks on us down from heaven, he doesn't see, Mike, all broken and battered. He sees me wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. He sees each and every one of us wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. in verse 14 yes yes Christ, absolutely yes that verse. yes absolutely yes you see the trinity there you see father son and the holy spirit there and, and this is one of the things that you know that that jesus loved us so much he he actually told uh, his disciples that it is to your benefit that i go away and i don't i don't know many of you that how could it be that somebody the living god was here but he was going to send his holy spirit to dwell in us to dwell in us and and i think that the, many of us lose sight of that that the same spirit that that raised christ from the dead dwells in us dwells in us and so i, I think it's so powerful that we see that the holy spirit um is one but yes joe thank you so much for pointing that out so here in verse 15 it says and for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Now this verse 15 is a very powerful verse here that you know we remember that first Timothy 2:5 it says, "For there is one God and one mediator between men and God, and this is Christ Jesus. But one of the things that I think is so powerful um, that we see here, by means of death, Jesus Christ is the only one that, who has died for the sins of the world many times that people have come and they say well how do you know that it's not Muhammad or how do you know that it's not Buddha or how do you know that Jesus Christ is the only one who has died for our sins is the only one who has died for each and every one of our sins and so just in that alone this this is very powerful verse but what I love about it is this verse is actually speaking about that people that were before Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ loved them so much that he actually gave them salvation through the through his blood That they were actually saved and i'll read it again because i didn't see it at first either it says and for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressors under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance and in the in the uh in the uh, nlt it's a little clearer. it says those who are invited or those who trust or put their faith in christ that they even though that they were part of it so many people come and say hey before jesus christ came and they were offering their blood sacrifices so those people didn't go to heaven this verse says that if they were trusting in the lord for their their salvation that the lord brought them to heaven and so we will see them again in heaven um, with them and so it's such a powerful verse here as we've been traveling um through the book of hebrews i know um there's a lot of things going on it's been taking us back to um the the old co- the old um, the old testament Um, but I think that it's powerful that we see these things and um, one of the things that we're always reminded of is the uh, the Old Testament throughout the Old Testament if you follow it it is always constantly pointing uh, to the coming Jesus Christ go ahead Jimmy okay he's blocking the sun; he's not raising his hand so um, we're gonna go ahead and uh, close tonight Um, I did have a short story but I'll go ahead and tell the short story I don't I'm doing okay on time I think I don't know They wanted me to be done in like a half hour. It didn't work out. But anyway, um, but one of the things, um, there was a professor one day and he had recently come to know the Lord. This professor had recently come to know the Lord. And so he had many people that interact with his students and many people that he knew um, that knew how he was in his previous life. And so he wanted to tell his students that he had come to Christ. And so he told the the people in the the classroom, he said, you know what? I, I feel like I have two wolves living inside of me. He said that, I've given my life to Christ and and he says now I I feel like I have this wolf that is on my shoulder and it is calling me back to go to the life that I used to live. It is calling me back constantly to go back to that life that I used to live. (coughs) Excuse me. And he said but I have this other wolf that is sitting on my other shoulder is telling me to walk in the goodness of Christ, to seek the things of God And this is one of the things and he said this is the the fight that i'm having that i've I've come and i've given my life to christ and one of his students in the back she raised her hand the lady raised her hand and he said professor and she said yes and he said which one of the wolves win and he said the one you feed the one you feed if we will feed to the things of the world then we will go to the things of the world if we will feed to the things of christ we will see christ in his goodness for each and every one of us amen? Amen. amen amen so father god we thank you once again lord for uh, drawing us nearer to you father lord we uh we thank you for this study we thank you for your word lord we ask that you would go before us this week father we need you lord we love you we pray these things in jesus name amen